Welcome back to another episode of the Obvious Choice Podcast. My name is Tyler Miller. I run a real estate team here in Blaine called the Tyler Miller Team. And uh, I started this podcast because I feel like I know a lot of pretty awesome people in my life. And, um, you know, all of them serve that purpose of, you know, okay, if I was thinking about the auto industry, I'm going to call this buddy. If I'm going to think about, um, I don't know, youth sports, I'll call some guy to talk about that that I know. And then when it comes to my guest today, if I had any questions about being incredibly good looking. Not no, the guy. Not the guy. Not the guy. <laughs> Face for a podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, for for my guest today um, uh, is Brian Schulten. And I have Brian on the podcast for many reasons, but one that I want to make sure we cover today is your um, investor background, also also commercial real estate. So um, first off, welcome, Mr. Shilton. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, Brian literally just got back to Minnesota, like, was it yesterday? Yeah, I'll uh, send you the invoice for my flight. <laughs> Yeah, I made him fly home just for this. No, uh, it's it's the day before Thanksgiving when we're recording this, so he came home to see his family, and and you know I like to think he came home to see me as, as well. But when I knew he was coming back, I was like, hey, like yeah, I kind of want to hang out, but more importantly, let's get you on the podcast because you got a lot of good things to talk about. So um, for those of you that don't know Brian, um, you know Brian uh, lives in Blaine, or well. He has a house in Blaine. He doesn't live in Blaine anymore. He moved to South Carolina, uh, Charleston, right? Yep. Well, Mount Pleasant, Charleston. And then Pleasant, for the summer, in, summer in Blaine. Yep, so. summer in Blaine. But we both live in the lakes of Blaine. We both have a house on the lake. So um, I'm trying to remember how we met. Was it through our wives? Yeah, definitely. The, like, yeah, yeah the, the mops group probably. Yep, yep. Um, But yeah, so we met through our wives, and then shortly thereafter – um, help them sell their house and yep. then kind of just formed a really good friendship. And I consider Brian one of my best friends. And uh, anyways, lots of good things to come from this. But what to give everybody just a perspective of who you are, a um, couple things that come to mind for me when I think of you, Brian, is first and foremost, I just think like genuine. You know what I mean? And it's like there's not many people out there that are genuine I appreciate that. Sometimes like genuinely stupid, but just <laughs> <laughs> overall genuine. Um, a man of God, man of faith. Very much so. Um, a big family man. Very much so. Um, what did you say to me one time? You said um, investment rich but cash poor. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Um, and, you know, lo and behold, I feel like that's probably the, the right way to go, you know? Yeah. But I remember when you first talked to me about that, uh, it was just kind of funny. Um, gosh, I, Gator B comes to mind, you know, that that's his new South Carolina name. My, my alter ego he down there. Alter ego, Gator B. Um, he's swampy and, uh, there's no turning back now. <laughs> he's been back for a day and he's already complaining how cold it is. Uh, it's 45 degrees. It's not warm. It's, it's balmy. Not warm here. It's balmy for Minnesota. I'm in fact, I'm sweating in this hoodie right now. Um, and it, honestly, just like, uh, always down to have a good time, always really good at um, having good discussions about bigger picture things, life, business, stuff like that, but like with zero judgment. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're just yeah. like, you're really good about keeping the conversation going without projecting your <clears throat> overarching yeah. you know, viewpoints that kind of like would halt the conversation. So I always appreciate that about you. And uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, I th I like to think um, 
he's like he made the right choice in real estate going commercial versus my residential choice uh, with more math versus emotion. So I'm always jealous about that. Um, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't easy. No. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, and then, you know, uh, has a, just like me, has a, a, a wife who is way better than us. <laughs> yeah. I agree. You know, uh, everybody likes Alicia. Some people like Brian, you know, just like me. <laughs> <laughs> They're 50, 50, yeah, 50, 50. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's just a little, and then last thing I would say is like, just really good investor mind. Um, somebody that really understands passive income and is super passionate about leaving a legacy um, for their family to, and like changing their lives yeah. through investing in real estate. So I, I don't know what else there is. I probably missed a ton, but that kind of sums up Brian. Oh, and you yeah. like to, you, you will, uh, you're from South Dakota, right? Yep. So you'll eat uh, beef tartare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, tiger meat. Just tiger meat. Just, <laughs> raw chunks of cow just you know yeah but not from like the grocery store people get that confused no you that's like there's a thousand cows and probably a million illnesses in there right it's got to be like when you've tested the cow you butcher the cow and it's just one cow that you're eating yeah tartar yeah but yeah he's he's a hick but he's also (laughs) gator b so it's confusing we don't know what he is at this point Uh, it's morphing but um anyways so that's what i think about when i think of you um but why don't, why don't you just really quick give us a, a little background before we get into the commercial investment side of things. Just a little background yeah. on just, you know, anything that we should know about you that I didn't cover uh, briefly. And then uh, maybe how you stumbled upon commercial real estate. Yeah. Um, very quickly, my dad owned duplexes in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I was from. I didn't learn a whole lot other than like the maintain you know, maintenance of them growing up. And then uh, school at University of St. Thomas did their ROTC program. Boo. And, uh, <laughs> Not the ROTC part, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <I went> to... <laughs> Come on, no. <laughs> I'm a patriot. Yeah. I just am also a Johnny, so, you know, suck it, Tommies. Yeah. Uh, did the ROTC program. Uh, and then Alicia and I uh, got married. We moved over to Italy for three years when I was in the military. And then two years in Florida, then moved back, separated from the military, moved back to Minnesota in 14, took a job downtown um, in one of the big office towers, was there for three months and just despised my life mm-hmm. uh, sitting in front of a computer. And I was just like, there's, there's got to be more. There's got to be, I, I can't do this. So I decided um, kind of just from a very world view was like, you make more money when you sell expensive things. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm like, what's the most expensive thing out there? And I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, it's big buildings. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can't be that hard to sell a big building, right? Yeah. Uh, Anyone can do it's, it. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's a little more challenging than I uh, gave, <laughs> you know, um, a credence to at the time. But I got in with a small apartment brokerage firm in 2014, NAI Everest, and uh, Gina Dingman was super... Um, like welcoming, uh, helped me through. But I knew within the first year, I was like, I'm not an apartment guy. Yeah. Uh, and for the investors out there that are listening that are in part, apartment owners, uh, I don't know how you do it. It just, uh, it's just, yeah, chaos and mess and everything. Um, and then I, I got a listing for a warehouse building down in Egan. And the guy who ended up making the offer and buying the building was Rafiq Moore, who's a principal at Caspian Group. 
and I had so much fun working with him. He's like, man, this is easy. It's four walls and a roof. Mm-hmm. Like it's meat and potatoes, stupid. And I was like, oh, I'm from South Dakota. I'm meat and potatoes, <laughs> stupid. Like I can handle that. Sums Brian up pretty, yeah. pretty easily, right? Yeah. There, pretty perfectly. Uh, so he, he sat me down and in a half hour lunch, he bought me lunch and in a half hour lunch explained to me like exactly how he invests. Um, and he had kind of gone through the 2009 crash, lost everything, like learned a ton of lessons. And so Mm -hmm. just kind of soaking in that knowledge of like, what mistakes did you make? You know, how, how do you learn from that? How do you change what you're doing now? And um, yeah, legitimately in a half hour, he changed my life. And so I was like, Hey, can I come do this like with you for you? You know, I'm like, you don't have to pay me anything. I'll, I'll learn. I promise. And, um, so yeah, uh, January one of 2016, I started mm-hmm. with him at Caspian group and then we've just been slowly building and building and building. And now he's, um, you know, I'm still with Caspian group. He's still with Caspian group, but he's, um, leading up break commercial, which is the, uh, investment, uh, arm. And then I'm more so kind of doing my own investment, like mm-hmm. with partners, you mm-hmm. know, smaller, not syndicating, but just like a couple buddies generally. You being one of them in yeah. a couple of deals. So. I uh, We just closed on one, was it yesterday? Two days uh, ago? Mon- Monday. Monday. Yeah. Um, a big, big building in uh, Northtown. Yep. Um, pretty incredible uh, how that all played out. You yeah, know, and I don't know. We can maybe get in the details a little bit on that. Yeah, if we I want. can. Yeah, I can do a back of the napkin on it to show. But that I was good. like that, yeah. When Brian broke that down to me, like this building had been sitting vacant for what eight years, or part of it had been sitting vacant for like eight years, or something like that. Um, and like, yeah, back of napkin, you just like <laughs> solved an eight-year problem. Yeah, and then well, we like, had some help, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, pretty incredible because yeah. I know a lot of people. I've talked to people who have said like oh yeah we've we've looked into that we've done mm-hmm. we've done a research on that particular building and like nobody could really put it together yeah so it just goes to show like you know you, you uh even though it's meat and potatoes stupid like <laughs> <laughs> you got something yeah. up there that yeah. that's working for you buddy so yeah. um and like so 2016 you jump in with caspian yep. Cas- caspian group yep right um and then i know you know you you know, it was a slow build. Yeah. Right. It fun. was um, a little bit of time before I think you like pulled the trigger on your own. Yeah. 2018. So I brokered kind of exclusively for Rafik in 16, 17. And then 18, 18, I, I sold a building to a guy and I'm like, I know there's value here. I mm-hmm. know, I know how to do this. I know how to get at least. I know. So I had to like beg him, beg him, beg him, beg him to buy this building. And then he even tried to back out. I was like, please. And it, I mean, it was a, it was a decent sized fee for me back when I had like zero dollars to mm-hmm. my name and was kind of building a career. So it was, I mean, it was a big deal from that standpoint, but just from a, I can't let this one get away because I know how good of a deal it is for you. Right. And it was a building in Brooklyn park. Um, he ended up buying it. I put a tenant in 22,000 square foot tenant in within 30 days. And then 14 months later, so we basically let that tenant vest for a year. 14 months later, I turned around and sold it for $1.5 million more than he paid for it. Hmm. He had put a total of, I think, $70,000 into the building. Hmm. So he bought it at um, 3.2, sold it at 4.7, fully stabilized. And he, I don't want to say he did none of the work, but he like hung the sheetrock, I think, and mudded and taped or something. The partition wall that we had to build was all... 
and I found the tenant, found the opportunity, found the tenant, and then found the buyer. And I was just like, I just made a million and a half dollars for this guy, and I did 90-ish <laughs> percent of the work, mm -hmm. you know, if not more. And, um, you know, I was incredibly happy for him. Obviously, it, it helped me out financially, too. Mm -hmm. um, but it was more of a, okay, I, I think I got this. Like, yeah. I, th I think I understand. And so, yeah, then I just started um, buying stuff, you know, partnering with people. Everything I have, I have partners in. Right. Uh, nothing's by myself. And uh, so I started with small partnerships and then or small percentages and then just kind of scaled it from there. But, yeah, it was that first deal that I wasn't a partner. I'm like – Man, if I'd even worked a ten percent equity stake in that, that's right. an extra one hundred and fifty k, right? You know, whatever, and just like, oh my gosh, did a lot of work for, and and I it could not have happened to a better guy. So I'm so happy that that investor mm -hmm. it worked out for him as well as it did. Um, know his family, love his family, but yeah, I was just like, man. Well, yeah, you kind of <laughs> like you kind of like saw what was possible, yeah. right? Like up until then, it was all like you were told it's yeah. possible, but you never like actually made it happen yeah and once you do you're like oh yeah you know like when like, you can dunk you're like oh i can dunk now yeah like i get for it. sure yeah and um same thing with me like when we did our first rental property and it was just like oh and then we were able to buy a second one from the equity from that first yep. one and i'm like oh <laughs> like, yeah, you know you're just like pounds. oh my gosh what yeah i need to do this all the time yeah um and then, like, I don't remember the whole thing, but I do remember with your backstory, like the building part. There was a there was definitely like a moment in time where it was like, if this one doesn't work out, oh yeah, like I'm out of money. Like I remember, yeah, well, I, and I remember you were like behind on payments. Oh or, yeah, like you know what I mean. Like it was it was it was rough sledding. Um, and so I'm just like, okay, X, you know, X million dollar building gives me x amount of money and it was it was building that uh through 2016 17 18 i'd make enough money pay off the credit card debt there was a time where alicia and i think i think where it was just shy of a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt that we mm -hmm. had that i was like financing this real estate you know all my expenses for stuff mm -hmm. and just kind of like groceries food on the table whatever yeah and so we were you know to a point where like didn't have any more money on credit cards. Like we were pretty much at our wits end. We had a hailstorm that come through Blaine that that helped. <laughs> but I knew because I had, you know, deals kind of line up or waiting for, you know, waiting for those to close and yeah. paid out. And yeah, it was uh it was an incredibly stressful time because every time I felt like I was sort of catching up. I was like, oh, I got my all my credit cards paid off. And then the tax bill came. And that was like $65,000 yeah. in taxes, back taxes that I owed. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So <laughs> now I got to make 65000 just to pay that. And then I'm going to get taxed on that 65000 So right. there's additional. So was, it just felt like I was behind the eight ball um, for a very long time. And God bless my wife. I was just like, don't ever look at anything financial related. I'm like, just please yeah. do not look at anything just if there's ever an envelope just hand it to me <laughs> that way you can live your life in peace and yeah. uh to her credit she did and she trusted me to make it happen and she was working to to help us out too um well and yeah, yeah. don't don't bury the lead on that your wife has built quite a amazing business herself oh yeah you know what i mean and i don't i don't know if that was like 100 percent solidified at that point yeah, she started in 14 kind of okay. building that the, so yeah you know. she she coaches yep 
fitness coach and makes decent passive income as well. Yeah. So, but yeah, like uh, this last year when the market shifted and the interest rates went to 6% and all of a sudden like nobody wanted to buy any real estate or even like look at a yeah. realtor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ashley was at that time doing our finances. Yeah. And she still is, but the whole like transferring money, looking at the bank accounts was really stressing her out. Yeah. There, I mean, there were yeah. some months where 40K yeah. was due for expenses for the team and we made no money that month. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, well, there goes our savings. Yeah. Account. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, so I, I can relate where it's just like, yeah, honey just don't look anymore. Yeah. Like just trust me. Yeah. We're going to get yeah. through this. Yeah. It's going to suck for a little bit, but I have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to let us fail, but yeah. like it does affect people with it, especially that they don't really know what's happening. You yeah. Know I mean like they, you yeah. know, you can see the end. Yeah. Picture. I, I saw the, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Whereas if Alicia would have been looking, I mean, she, she couldn't, she doesn't, didn't know what I do percent right yeah or the timing of everything she didn't know okay this deal could close then or you know and is going to bring this much and yep so yeah it was uh i was just like i need you in ignorance is bliss yep in this facet of our life mm-hmm. so and <clears throat> so to fast forward now just so everybody is aware how many buildings do you currently have ownership in um so a couple of the i'll call them properties because a couple of the properties have like multiple properties yeah. on site um, but we are, so we just, well, we just bought one and we're selling, selling one in a couple of weeks. I think that that will put us at 18, if I'm not mistaken. And then we have another one that's like, I'm taking operational control over. And I don't know if we have time to dive into that one, but that <laughs> one's going to be a master lease. So I'm not buying it, but I'm master leasing it from the current owners who are running it terribly. We'll get it, the rent. You make it sound dirty. You're yeah. master leasing. What are you doing in, in your master, bedroom there, Brian? <laughs> master leasing. Leave me alone. No, don't come in. I'm master leasing. <laughs> You're off. Yeah, I know. Sorry, we're children. So um, we. Uh, so yeah. Um, so 18 properties. Eight, yes, I believe. Yep. And now I want to get into like the way that you've like structured a lot. What I think is a lot of your business model. And so I'm, I'll ask this question leading into it. Like, yeah. out of the 18, yep. how many did you actually put money into? So a lot of them, I left some or all of my fee. Your fee. Right? I did the brokerage for it. Yeah, so you're talking about your real estate yeah. commission. Yep. Yep. And then left in. As I, as I take more operational control of the properties and I'm bringing the deals and I seeing how well they cash flow it's mm-hmm. kind of like i'm able to ask for more mm-hmm. right like bigger equity stakes um without having to put much if any cash in mm-hmm. because ultimately i'm the guy who's going it's like a, a recent example in blaine mm-hmm. we will have a basis of the property at four and a half million it appraised at like at closing for five and a half million mm-hmm. so just because i brought a deal that's a million dollars equity positive already mm-hmm. you can kind of say well i don't i don't need to bring because i'm allowing you to share in yeah i don't want to say a free million dollars because it's not that simple but essentially you have an appraisal today right now that that property could sell for five and a half million yeah. and you're you know your cost in it's four and a half so yeah yeah you can you can 
just say, if you want in, here's how right. it's going to be structured or what have you. Yeah. And so what I was getting at there is like, you know, in, in the real estate world, especially like if you're the one that has the deal, if you found yeah. it and you did the dirty work to, to make it happen, like you've, you've created value right there. You don't, you shouldn't have to put anything in because you know, you know, not that you would do this. You want to work with your partners, but if that one partner doesn't want it, you're going to go to somebody else that's willing to take, Hey, do you want eight or 10% on your money? Yeah. It, There's a lot of people are going to raise their hand yep. and that's with you not putting any money in sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, th I think it's great. And I, I, I was coming back from the, the Elk River building that we bought Yep. where you, you structured it that way, where you found it and you brought it to me because I was after a four hour conversation on your porch in South Carolina after a karaoke bar yeah. and uh, some fun times, you know, I just, I kept on saying, like, just bring me something. You know, I just, I want, I want to be, I just want to yeah. do something yep. with you. I don't, yep. it doesn't even matter what it is. I just want to do yep. business with you. And she brought it to me and it was like, Hey, um, here, here's, here's how it's going to look. Here's what we think we could do with it. Yep. Um, you know, you're, if for your buy-in, you'll have this much ownership, yep. you know, uh, and then we'll have the rest. And like, I was just the money guy. Yep. In that situation. It's in a sense. Yeah. And at zero point in time, I'd be like, well, Brian, you just put some money in. Like, yeah. I was grateful yeah. for the opportunity, right? Yeah. Like like you said, it's not free money. No. But it's, yeah. you know, hey, it's a, it's going to probably work out. Do you want in on this or not? Otherwise, I'll yeah. go to somebody else. Which well, and you never said that to me, but I, you know, yeah. I understand. We were going to get, we were going to get the deal done uh, one way or the other. <clears throat> and, and the reason that one for you in particular is like, if I'm partnering with somebody for the first time, it's always, I want it to be the least risk possible yeah. because it's someone's first new venture, right? Yep. And so if I can go, we're talking about a half a million dollar commercial property, which is like in today's world, a $100,000 house. Yeah, you can't right? find like, them. Like they don't exist. Mm -hmm. And they're so small. Um, it's, it's so the numbers are so small relative to other stuff mm -hmm. that even when you're talking, you know, the returns on the money, it's like the numbers are so small where you're never, that property's just never going to fail. Right. Yeah. If you start buying a $4 million deal, a $4 million building and all you're off and it's not only worth three and a half, mm -hmm. half a million, you're talking, that's, it's only a smaller ish percentage of the property value, but it's still a half a million dollar swing. Right. Yeah. If you're off on Elk river and you're off by, you buy it for five hundred thousand. It's only worth four fifty. I can even be like, I'm just going to eat the difference. I don't want you right. to the first time investor to be losing that money, right? And right. obviously, this one we believe in substantial upside. Mm -hmm. But even when you're talking about worst, worst, worst case scenario, you're talking about such small numbers that, like, even the worst case scenario is it shouldn't ruin. Something. Yeah, it's extremely palatable. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so I, I, what I was saying is, I was driving back from that building. I went and after I bought it, I finally went and looked at it. Yeah. <laughs> didn't didn't know what I was buying other than well, it's got a laundromat, it's got a tattoo parlor, <laughs> and it's got a, you know, we call it a car deta detailing place. Who knows what it actually is? <laughs> but that's all I knew. It's not that. It's not that. Did we t did AJ tell you that when we went in there? So we we went and like knocked yeah. on a, you yeah. know, and we walked in the car detailing place, and we walk in and like I mean the front desk area just a mess like yeah. just stuff everywhere you yeah. know and it's like dark there's no lights on okay but we could like hear somebody yeah. working on a car and like 
we kind of like peek around the corner and all you see is this little tiny flashlight on the guy's <laughs> head. And he, he must have been like working on some detailing or something, I okay. think, or, or some um, uh, body, yeah. auto body stuff. Yeah. Apparently that helps if you just have one light on or something, okay. but it was just weird. You know, I was expecting to walk in as like a, a client facing yeah, car no. detailing place. No, it's like you don't bring people there. <laughs> like you drop your car off and you leave the key like outside the door and you leave. Yeah. But yeah, very bizarre. But anyways, I was driving back and I was I happened to be talking to uh, my team member Max because um, he grew up in that Elk River area and he's like, I yeah. know right where that is. Yeah. It's awesome. And and I started filling him in on because he's a very ambitious twenty year old. Yeah. It's twenty. Absolutely. And uh, he's like, man, like. Because I, I told him the structure of the deal, basically how, you know, probably going to make roughly 10% on my money. Plus, if we put a new uh, tenant in there, we think we can make a good amount yeah. of money on the sale yep. or a cash out refinance or whatever. Yep. Right. Yep. And he was like, man, that sounds like incredible. Like, how do you how do you even start doing that? Like, I don't have the money for that. Yeah. And I was like, here's the best part, man. The guy I did it with didn't need any money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He went and found the building. Yep. talked and worked out the deal with the owner and was able to bring it to an investor or a money guy that he wanted to partner with. And now he has a, you know, half percent or 50% yeah. ownership in the, in a building that he didn't put any money into. Yep. And he, his mind was just blown. Like he was just like, wait, that that's possible. Impossible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like who would do that? Don't why wouldn't people be upset. I'm like, Max, if you brought me a building where I can make 10% of my money plus six figures after we sell it in a couple of years, yeah, I'll give you my money right now. And you don't even have to. So like the beauty of it is you don't have to. I know you want to learn the commercial stuff and understand the tenant relations and understand yeah. the leasing and understand how that drives value. But essentially, if someone's just the money guy, they mm -hmm. don't have to deal with that. Uh -uh. Like as long as you trust the person who is doing that. Yeah. Right. It's kind of a set it and forget it. Mm -hmm. I get my return. And you know, if um, the value of the property grows and we sell it, you know, I'll get my share of the equity. Like somebody else is managing. It's kind of like giving your money to a financial advisor or whatever to place in stocks or mutual funds yeah. or whatever. You're not the one calling the shots, but you're trusting that they know what they're doing. Yep. Beauty of commercial real estate is it's very easy to what I call force appreciation. Yeah. So rents are below market. You buy the property based on the value of those lower rents. Mm -hmm. And then you're saying, I'm going to bring the rents to what they should be in this market. And without doing anything other than signing new leases at market rents, you've shot up the value of the property. Yep. Right. And and I know we talked about this uh, multiple times. I think, uh, I can't remember when the last time was, but I remember, because like in, so in the residential world, I'm not trying to say commercial people are scummy. That's not what I'm getting at. But in the residential world, it's like, you know, you're, you're supposed to advise people, trying to take advantage of people, whatever. It happens, especially like on the wholesaling and investment yeah, side. Yeah. But it's it's just not what I was ever like taught. You know, like yeah. so if I could go into someone's house and like buy it for less. Yeah. Every fiber in my being is like, yeah, but like tell them what it's worth on, right now for them to sell it. Right. Yep. And I remember talking to you about this and I'm like. Yeah, but isn't it like weird going into these buildings and you know they're under rented and then you tell I tell them. I know you do. And but well, what I, what I was saying is you you explained it really well like most times these guys don't want to go and raise the rents and no. themselves anyways because they've had these people in there for 10 years and they're like 
yeah, they're under they're under rented. So even if I could go in and find a new tenant or do yeah. all this bullshit, I don't want to do it. Yep. You know what I mean? I'm more of like they're more like an absentee yeah. owner. And so it's not really taking advantage of them. It's paying them out what they want yeah. to just be done. Exactly. Right? Versus like, well, um, let me go get everything perfect and then sell it. Yeah. It's just it's just this the comparable approach in the residential would be talking to a homeowner and saying, if you spend thirty or forty thousand dollars on XYZ, it is likely that your house would sell for a hundred thousand dollars more. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the owner's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to wait the time. Mm-hmm. I don't have the money. I don't want to deal with the headache of all of that. So it's that same process of transparency. Like this, you know, the gentleman we bought the building from. Tell them your rents are below market. You could be at six hundred thousand for value mm-hmm. instead of five hundred thousand. And he just like I I don't want to raise the rents. And I'm like, well, it won't appraise for six hundred thousand. It can't yep. based on these the rents that you have. So uh, yeah, you're just fully transparent with them, and they're ultimately like, well, if you make it easy and I don't have to do anything, I'm happy with the five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'll do the work. Yeah, and there's a residential realtor by the name of Chris Lindahl, in case anybody hasn't heard that name before. He's on a billboard. Never or, heard or, of him. Yeah, like 50. But he um, he kind of showed that there is a huge market. Not a huge market. There's a market for the convenience factor. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey, I'll give you a cash offer or Zillow will or whatever. It's going to be well below the market value, but you can close whenever the hell you want. You don't yep. have to do anything to the house. Yep. And... You know, people like this. It's cash, yep. right? And so, so it's a guaranteed close, and they did a ton of those. You know what I mean? So it's like there's obviously people out there, and I and I bet yep. there's more people like that in the commercial world when it's not their emotional yeah. home that they've raised their kids in, right? Yep. Like when it's just a building that makes you money. Yeah. Like yeah. And but and a lot of those guys, I don't want to say a hundred thousand dollars doesn't mean anything, but they're going the brain damage that they feel like it would be because maybe they're maybe they got it inherited and they don't even know how to have lease discussions mm-hmm. with tenants maybe they're afraid of 6 months of vacancy and then they're looking at it and they're you know it's it's like I would be afraid to do brain surgery right right I, if I was forced forced to do it and someone came and offered me money to get out of doing it I'm going to be like yeah I'm taking it and running because I don't even know what I'm doing well, right? unless it's your brain it's probably yeah. not that complicated <laughs> it's not that <laughs> they have a one or two wires. yeah uh, but that's, I mean, you don't know the reasons why they either do or don't do that, right? Yeah. Take the higher value. Um, but at the end of the day, when you're just very transparent about it, I mean, that builds trust with them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes you get an even sweeter deal than what you thought just because they're like, thank you for being honest about mm-hmm. how you go about your business. So, yeah. I think uh, if I was a listener, I would want to know, or a watcher, because there's cameras, whoever's <laughs> watching us uh, or listening, I'd want to know like, okay, just let's go through the process, like just really basic, yep. you know, um, one, like, how are you identifying the properties? Like, how are you finding them? Um, it, it comes a hundred different ways. Uh, it started with essentially doing kind of the residential investment. I want the worst house in the best neighborhood kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I was just looking I want warehouses where it's not looking like the weeds are getting pulled. It's not looking like the, you know, a lots are getting plowed. They're not taking care of it, whatever they're it under, is. Undervalued. Currently, yeah, you know? and they're they're just not being loved or cared for. And right. so you're like, okay, the guy who owns it clearly doesn't care. 
he's obviously not out to maximize the value of this property because mm-hmm. he wouldn't be doing this if he was. And so let me find out. So it was, it was the whole driving for dollars. And then it just, it comes, um, you know, once you start doing one or a couple, then you can kind of start to spot opportunities a little easier. Sometimes the building's in great shape, but the, the rents are way below market. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, that's where the value add is. Mm-hmm. Um, we started sending letters out to, you know, when we'd buy something, we'd send letters out in the local area mm-hmm. and say, hey, this is what we bought, this is the price we paid. And kind of give an idea is almost like a state of the market, right? Yeah. It was only one transaction, but a guy can look at it and go, or a gal can look at it and say, all right, he bought this building that's this big for this much per foot, and I have a building that's this big, and so his value at this much per foot works out to be this. And mm-hmm. sometimes they call me and I say, yeah, I only paid that because the rents were here, or it mm-hmm. didn't need a new roof, or mm-hmm. whatever, right? I think and, we may have solved your roof issue, by the way. Yeah? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that call. Yeah, really good. Like I recorded. I'll send you the yeah. recording. It's, it seems pretty incredible. All so right. I'm excited that maybe I've added some value to oh it already. My God. Yeah, like you know. honestly, it's it's like I'm not going to get into it on yeah. the podcast because it, it, it's like kind of like a hidden secret that not yeah. a lot of people have figured out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You need to hook oh, up with that guy. <laughs> that that would be that would be awesome because we have a number of roofs. That, I know. Uh, I know. We need to look at. So, um, yeah, they come a bunch of different ways, and sometimes it's, um, yeah, just like just net ro- network, right? People. Yeah. Know you buy commercial real estate, and they don't, they don't know what commercial real estate even means. And I don't really know. Like someone, you know, you get calls. Do you buy apartments? I'm like, no, not not a chance, right? I'm not. Um, but then every once in a while, why don't you want to buy apartments? Cause I feel like that's usually the end so, for a lot of people. Yeah. This is, this is, um, a sort of r- religious in basis, uh, more than anything. But so I hated dealing with apartment owners, right? I, um, I, I was very tainted cause I was only selling like the lowest common denominator apartments, like the worst of the worst in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And so you'd like, you'd see these good people, some of them trying hard, some of them not trying hard, like the tenants. Then you're always like banging on their door saying, hey, we're showing your apartment. And they're, you know, generally not well kept. And then you have these owners that come in and they're like, all right, well, we can jack these guys' rents up $300 a month and increase. And I'm like, you know, it's a person's home and man, they don't even have, you know, $50 to get food in the refrigerator. So that means they're home. Like it was, it was just a morally, and not, not to like say apartment owners are bad people. Um, a lot of my partners own also own apartments and mm-hmm. you know treat their tenants really really well and what have you. But just my experience. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, yeah. You you, you have so. the ability to cause people to be homeless. Yeah. Right. And and I'm like, the Bible says shelter the homeless. It does not say you know force people to homeless. And so if you know I kind of my thought process is if you're a believer, I don't want to show up one day and Jesus like hey. So how'd you do sheltering the homeless? And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, I evicted like a thousand people <laughs> over my life and made them homeless. How's that for? So, But I made lots yeah. of money. Yeah, but I made lots of money that's now back on earth and yeah. I can't do it. You know, right. whatever. So um, not, to, not to get too high and mighty, but it just like I couldn't stomach that. Whereas in the, you know, people ask, well, how can you raise rents in business owners? I'm like, well, in a business, you need to charge a 
profit or make a profit margin that makes your business a viable business. Mm -hmm. And right. And businesses come and go all the time. The JC pennies of the world were very profitable when that was a profitable business model. You mm -hmm. didn't adapt and you die. Mm -hmm. Right. So a business that's coming in, they're like, well, I only make X, Y, Z on this business. And I'm like, well, how have you changed that? Maybe a haircut doesn't cost $4 a haircut anymore. Like, right. If you're not if you're not charging market rate for a haircut, I don't know what to tell you. Like you're giving that person every time you charge five dollars instead of twenty five dollars for a haircut, you're giving that person twenty dollars out of your pocket because mm -hmm. the market for that is twenty five dollars. Yeah, think. and so you have that conversation. If a business, if the money doesn't work for their business, I'm like, well, what are you doing? Spinning your wheels yeah. to not. Nobody wants to work and not earn money you're almost like helping sense. them realize like this isn't that's the slippery slope like i don't want to say you're helping them but hopefully you're like illuminating some of the them. flaws in the business model of like yeah i know you want to keep your prices cheap and to a point you could say a neck shave will remain at one dollar <laughs> right but the haircut is going to be 25 dollars. Yeah. you know you can do little things to say hey we're trying to keep it's like the gas stations that still have coffee for 10 cents or whatever it is right, right. you have this one thing <clears throat> to say we, to our core we want to be about saving you money but at the end of the day the cost of business is the cost of business right so and <clears throat> to finalize your point yeah. i think what you were alluding to is you're not making these people homeless. They have a home. Yeah. Right. That's, that's it, the, it's different. the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. And generally, there's other places out there they can go and run their business at the same – because you're going to find dilapidated buildings with absent owners, and they're like, sure, I'll take 200 bucks for 10,000 square feet. You know? Right. But yeah. – yeah. yeah. So I – and I'm glad that you touched on that because when you told that to me, I've always, like, th like, thought about that. I'm like, that's really cool that you can – kind of tie in what you're doing into the Bible a little bit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you're, um, because yeah, there, I think a lot of people, when they get in the investment world, it's like, I'm going to buy 10 single families, trade it up to fourplexes and trade it up to yeah. apartments. And, yep. and like, that's usually the end game, the apartments slash maybe a couple trailer parks, hotel. Yep. I don't know what you do after yeah. that, <laughs> but like, um, yeah, it's, it's like, you're just choosing to go a route where you can probably still do very, very well, but you're not going to have to mess with people's lively, like, or their, yeah. their, their, their home life. You know what I mean? And that's, the, that's the tricky part is like with one person evicting one person, you're, you're only affecting that one person, but you're dramatically affecting them. If you move a business out, that business might have 10 employees. Right. right? And so now you, I mean, you have to, you have to weigh all of that. Right. Yeah. So, okay. You identify the property. Yep. Whether you're, you're, driving for dollars, sending letters. Now a lot yep. of people are bringing you deals because you're known as somebody who can solve some issues, yep. right, and, and be creative. Um, I mean, you already went down to South Carolina and bought how many? Two? Uh, two properties. Two yeah, properties. buildings, and then another property should be coming online here. It's just, so. you know, it's been three months. Yeah. Just got your slacking. <laughs> should have at least yeah. three. I mean, buy one every month. What are we doing here? <laughs> but, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously something that you're – you can easily do in your head, back of the napkin type stuff now. So, like, if somebody's considering purchasing, yeah, let's just say an industrial building, like yep. what you do, your bread and butter, what are the basic couple things that they just need to know and need that that they need to align in order for it to like make any sense from a financial standpoint? Yeah, like like okay. what what is a what is a for sure like thumbs up yes for you? You know, after you look at it. 
Like, what are you looking at? And then what is it like? Absolutely not. One touches with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. So just a couple things. Yeah. How Rafiq originally described it to me is his goal is to be at 70% of the as complete value or like fully stabilized. What in that to not go off in the weeds, but you have to know what the rental market is. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. You have to know what the rental market is to know what that stabilized value is. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you are, it is a deal. If your price, you know, your cost purchase price, plus the improvement money that you're going to spend on the property is at or below 70% of that stabilized value. Mm -hmm. right? Incredibly, stabilized value, meaning, meaning when it's fully leased and all the deferred maintenance is taken care of fully leased at the right rent at the, at market rate, fully leased or fully leased at market rate with no deferred maintenance items outstanding, you know, not a quarter of a million dollar roof that you have to do, not a hundred thousand dollar parking lot, whatever you have to be at or below 70%. Now that is extraordinarily difficult in today's world to, mm -hmm. to find that opportunity. So I don't want to say that spread has gotten tighter and tighter, but it's that's kind of the guiding philosophy. The closer you can get to that benchmark, the easier mm -hmm. it is to say, I don't really care where it's located or what it is. That's a, a no-brainer. Yeah, right? that's going to make some money. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's going to make some money and and not be too big of a hassle to to manage or lease or what have you. My bigger thing that I've come to realize uh, over the past few years is I like functional flexibility in my properties and that comes with higher ceilings, that comes with more parking, you know, bigger land area, the you know, how flexible is the zoning, mm -hmm. right? Because I've dealt with commercial properties just in brokerage where like you look at the permitted uses and it's like two items long. Right. And when you're trying to lease it and you have, you know, 10 inquiries and not a single one of them is one of those permitted yep. uses you're hosed. Yeah. So those are Im important things to consider. You know, it's not all just number based, yep. but um, yeah, functional flexibility, zoning, location, proximity, ingress, egress, access, mm -hmm. you know, clear height, all of those things um, that kind of weigh into, yes, this is worth doing. Mm -hmm. So you need, obviously you need like the rent roll, I think yep. it's called. Right? Yep. And, and like, this is usually all stuff that you get do, do, during that due diligence period, right? Yep. So they'll send you the rent roll so you can yep. check rents. And then that's where you, I, that's the part where I feel like you for sure need to have someone who knows what the hell they're doing. Because you can look real quick yeah. and be like, that's either below or like above market rate yep and know if there's any room for improvement right yep exactly um, so that's kind of like one of the more important yep pieces you need rent roll rent roll is the number one most important thing the income and ex or the expense summary is is pretty important too depending on how your leases are structured are you as a landlord required to pay for the taxes the insurance that or mm -hmm. is that all pass-through charges to tenants how are the leases written so it's that's definitely a an important Part of the equation too and the rent rolls also have like when the leases are expiring generally usually we'll say, yeah yeah because that's also good information too like yeah you know maybe they're undervalued but they're tied up for five years yeah it's like that well that sucks yeah i can't do anything for you seller because I, I can't get you the price that you want it'll never appraise you have long term on your lease and you're below market rent so unless there's some very creative way to structure a deal that makes sense for them it, it doesn't it doesn't work but like uh, one of the buildings down in charleston it was wildly under market like mm -hmm. half of market mm -hmm. without even doing anything to the property i would have uh, was able to kind of double rents and i had enough term so i had six months on pretty much all the leases mm -hmm. so enough term to like 
vet out and make sure I kept the tenants I wanted to keep and got rid of the bad ones or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't, um, and it wasn't like they could all just be like, oh, a new owner, 30 days and I'm piecing out. Mm -hmm. So if everyone's month to month, you could buy it in 30 days, you could be fully vacant. Yeah. That's tough pill to swallow. So that was a nice sweet spot where I had enough term on the leases at way below market rents where I knew even if everybody left, I had six months of lease up time to try and find new tenants to get in there. And yeah, everybody, everybody wanted to stay. I moved three of the tenants out, um, two because they were just bad fits on the property and the other one paid rent, but he just, I don't want a car guy mixed with retail. It just didn't work. So let's role play. Okay. Let's say I'm the car guy. Yep. What do you, I mean, how does that, how do you have that conversation? Uh, do you like go right, do yeah. you go face to face with them? Yeah, hundred percent. Walk in and just, yeah. What do you say? Say I'm the I, car guy. I'm working on a car. I got the flashlight on my head. You know? Yeah. So, um, Brian, new owner, nice to meet you. Uh, you oh, hey, yeah. You're, yeah. Are you Gator B? <laughs> <laughs> I've Some heard the tall say. tales about Gator B. <laughs> they, got a, they got a South accent down there. Uh, no, he was, uh, uh, yeah. So, walk in and I say, uh, yeah, so I understand you're here in the suite. Um, you happy, you like it, all that. And it's, yeah, and it's this, this, whatever. Um, and then I say, well, the auto, your use doesn't really fit with the retail, general retail vibe that we have here. So I know your lease is through the end of December, but I'm not going to be renewing your lease. I can't, I can't have you here. What do you mean? Right I've been here for like, I've been here for five years, Gator B. <laughs> I know you have. And uh, I'm happy you were able to make a business here. And maybe we can find a building, you know, down the road or in the nearby, or maybe it's an opportunity to find a new location closer to home, whatever it is. I will help you if you want me to help you. I will do my best to help you find a new spot. But at the end of the day, I can't have you here and I, I won't be renewing your lease. So I am happy to have you here while you're under lease. Like I can't do anything about that. And frankly, you're a great guy. I'm glad you can continue to serve your customers. But yeah, at the end of your lease, um, we can't. We just can't have you renewing here. You know, Gator B, I like the way you talk. <laughs> I got lost in your dreamy eyes, and you know, you can help me find a new building. <laughs> I will not be seeing you again. <laughs> I have the police outside. <laughs> Please take him away. Please take him away. <laughs> he gives me some yeah. weird, creepy vibes. Um, yeah, you've done that a few times. You yeah, can tell. There's, yeah. And, and that's a good, I mean, it's perfect. But I think that those are those intimidating things for people. It's like not only, okay, I got to go find this building. I got to come up with money most times, they think, yeah. you know, because they don't, they, they just don't know that there's other ways to do it. And then, oh gosh, there's people that are under lease. God, I got to go have hard conversations with these people. And like, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go invest in the stock market and call it a day. Yep. You know? And so. And that's a great way to do it. Like yeah. I, if that's your thing, um, I just, I feel the, I don't want to say controllability of real estate. There's still always an element that you cannot control. This thing's outside your control, but you, the better you get at those conversations, the easier they are to have, no matter what the conversation mm -hmm. is. And um, so you, you generally kind of can have pretty good control over mm -hmm. your investment, right? You invest in any company, even the longstanding ones, just stocks or whatever. You don't know if the guy's like doing bad books and then an Enron bombshell is going to happen and right. then poof, right? You, you, everything's gone. So right. 
not to say that there isn't risk in real estate, mm -hmm. but it's just, it feels like when you're the one operating it, that operational control gives you a lot of, um, a lot, it's a lot easier to sleep at night knowing that you're largely in control of that. Well, because it's, it is math. It's a math equation. Well, most times yeah. there's, yeah. there's some factors, right? Yeah. There's non-math components, but yes. But yeah, it's like if, if it, if it makes sense on paper, like it's more than likely going to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Just got to go execute the plan. Um, talk about, so the last thing I think with commercial that I think is just good to know, like, cause you hear it in residential all the time, but like you did, you've done some wholesaling too, right? Yeah. Like, yep. and I remember you telling me this one time and you were, you know, just rubbing it in and, but in a, like a really funny way, but <clears throat> I, I can't remember exactly what you said, but basically you just, you sent me a text and you're like, just sold a piece of paper for, I don't know. It was a lot of money, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. There was, there was, it was six figures for sure. I don't remember the exact amount, but, and like, again, again, like I, I know what wholesaling is, but never have had any experience with it didn't really put two and two together at all at the time of what you were talking about. And yeah. I was just like, what the fuck? How is this, <laughs> how, how is this guy doing this stuff? I'm like, it was just, it was just incredible. And, uh, basically like, you know, you can tell the story better than I can, but I know you like, you came across a building, you knew it was a hell of a deal, right? Yep. You knew that either you're buying it. Yep. That was plan B, but yep. plan A was like, I'm just going to bring this to like, 10 people and if they first person doesn't want it go to the second one second one doesn't want it go to the third one and just go down the line yep and yeah worst case scenario you'd buy it but it'd still make good money yeah so it was gonna make uh it was gonna make a decent return you know least at market or what have you and the building this one was brokered by somebody so the seller had a commercial guy on his side so i didn't care how cheap of a deal i got i'm like mm -hmm. hey you trusted that person your best interest to to list and sell that property for you. So I, it's not my job to look out for that owner's best interest when he has no. another paid professional. Right? Was this person inexperienced in commercial? Um, no, experienced enough. I just think that in, it's not like they didn't know what they were doing. They were just, they were extenuating circumstances with the property. The building owner had the business in there, wanted some time to like figure out what he was going to do with his business. Mm -hmm. And so I had to kind of get creative on the lease structure to make sure I wasn't losing money if I was going to be buying it and blah, blah, blah. So at the end of the day, there was enough concessions um, from the seller where I said, all right, um, there's, you know, there's a few hundred thousand spread here between like what this thing is worth cleaned up and put on the market, sold as a vacant owner user building. Mm -hmm. I know that value because I sold a building right across a parking lot that was the exact same building for a value, right? And mm -hmm. there was multiple parties interested. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting here going, I know the value of this building and I know what I have it under contract for. So I'm like, there's going to be somebody out there. I don't even have to buy this building. Somebody yeah. out there is going to say, I can buy this property even if I put you know, let's say the spread was 500,000 between the building that sold and the one that I have under contract, I'm going, they're going to look at me and say, well, you can't, you can't make 250,000. And again, this is me and all my partners together. You guys can't make $250,000 without doing anything. And I'm like, 
why we're giving you a $250,000 discount on one that's property mm -hmm. should sell for and, mm -hmm. and has sold for. Like mm -hmm. there was a buyer who paid a quarter of a million more than what you're paying, even after you give me. So yeah. just because I found a really spread, you know, heavy deal. Yeah. And if you don't like it, that's okay. Yeah. I'm not requiring anybody to buy it, mm -hmm. right? Nobody has to because it still makes money even if I lease it up. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of a... I would say a grand slam opportunity because the building made money if I leased it up. Yeah. It made enough money where there wasn't a risk. There's where wholesalers, a lot of wholesalers get into trouble is they tie something up and they have no intention nor ability to close it. To buy it. Right. Yep. Like they they won't and then they pull out and they just say, Oh no, it, you know, I couldn't find somebody, I couldn't find some sucker to pay me more for it or mm -hmm. whatever. And so then they just back out. And um, that was one of the things Rafiq uh taught me kind of in the first in the six months or whatever he's mm -hmm. like if you ever put a property under contract you better know how and with whom you're going to like you better have a closing strategy right like we are not going to be tie it up no i couldn't find somebody to flip it yeah. to back out get that bad he's reputation like, yeah you do it once you're done mm -hmm. so um so yeah it was uh I mean, that worked because the property is going to work least and it worked wholesaling it and uh, was a good one. Yeah, there's all sorts of options. So anybody out there that has more questions for Brian regarding commercial investing uh, for myself, but residential investing or commercial, I know a little bit now. <laughs> I don't know as much as Brian, but, um, you know, just feel free to reach out like we're open books, happy to yep. help and uh you know, got lots of different resources to help you guys. So it's a great opportunity to start building that that uh, passive income and, and that wake-up money so that one day you don't have to go to work and, and miss out on everything else, you know. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's amazing to see, you know, uh, you, Brian, that, you know, you, you practice what you preach too. You know what I mean? Like you're doing it and then you're also doing it in life as well. Like you're not just yeah. like saying, well, this could change my life if, or this could yeah. change your life if you do this. Yeah. Like you're doing that. You've changed your life multiple times. You know, yeah. you, you guys travel frequently multiple times a year. I think, was it last year, two years ago, you went somewhere for like a month. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember uh, what, where it was. We but. went to Hawaii earlier this year in the wintertime yeah. to escape Minnesota, and then we just ended up moving from Minnesota. Yeah, to yeah. You just escaped entirely. <laughs> um, but, you know, like you're you're able to do that because of what you've created. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, And so I think just recanting that tale and letting people know early on, like, hey, there was a time where it was scary. Oh, man. It was yeah. very stressful. And, and but that's that's going to happen with anything that's, that could change your life. Nothing. It's yeah. not easy. You know what I mean? So like if you're nervous and you're just not sure where to start, like just know Brian was at that exact same spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then he met a guy named Rafiq. Yeah. And, and, was... and Rafiq in 30 minutes told this dumbass over here how to do it <laughs> and figured it out. And now he has a house in Blaine on a lake. He's got a house in um, Char well, not Charleston, uh, Mount Pleasant. Um, he has a house in uh, Florida. Uh, yeah, with partners, with some of my uh, commercial partners. Yeah. Right. We went down to North Captiva. North Captiva, yeah. And then I called Jim, and I was like, you want to buy a house with me? Yeah. And he's like, if it's real estate and you think it's a good deal, I trust you. Yeah. So, yeah. And you're how old? Uh, 36. 36. Yeah. So you don't have to uh, 
you know, you don't have to have all this money laying around and stuff to get started. You know, there's there's other ways that you yourself could bring value to a commercial deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you just got to gotta start. Um, but let's transition because our wives are going to be here to probably pick us up in 40 yeah. minutes or yeah, something. Yeah, I got to get back home soonish. Um, so. Yeah, we're, we're going out to dinner, um, all of us. And so we're going out uh, actually with our, our faith group. Yep. Bible study, whatever we want to call it, our faith group. So touch on that for like five minutes. Like, so we, me and my wife joined this faith group this last session. Yep. Um, and you were leading the men's section for yep. us. And it's something you've done in the past. So like, where does that part of you come from? Uh, I guess it's kind of growth and reflection in life. You, you, uh, we, you know, I was born and raised Catholic, private school, what have you, had very little relationship with God when we were li- uh, living in Italy. My wife and I had went through some incredibly difficult times there. And then uh, it kind of, when we moved back to Minnesota, Alicia and I just looked at each other, we're like, what are we doing with our lives? Like, mm-hmm. if, if there's not, like, what's the meaning behind kind of any of it. And I think everybody has those, you know, whether it's just thoughts in your head, you have those conversations with people like, what's the meaning of it all? Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're like, well, we don't really have that many friends here. Um, so let's go see, you know, kind of not just develop friendships in Minnesota. Cause a lot of our college friends move away or what have you. Uh, we're just like, let's see what a small group does. Like, mm-hmm. does it, will it do anything? And I would say Alicia was a little more faith forward at the time, but definitely not kind of strong mm-hmm. in faith. And uh, I was, you know, again, believe there was a God, but was just like, oh, be a good person and you'll be fine. But I remember you saying like you, you know, you like grew up reading. Oh, the, yeah. The Bible and stuff. Oh, like yeah. That. So, I mean, like, it was always like part of what yeah. you did, right? Like yeah, your family. Was, I would say it was a part of my life, but it wasn't a part of my identity. Right. Right. Like I learned... I learned the prayers and I, you know, read the Bible and I went to church four times a week mm-hmm. and I did all that stuff. Four times a week? Yeah, it was wow. Monday, Wednesday, Friday in school and then Sunday wow. service with the family. And so we did all that. Um, but again, it wasn't a part of like who I was. Like I knew treat people nice, right? Mm-hmm. Like you you get that. Um, and I think, I think there's a lot of Christians out there that kind of lose it, sight on that. Like mm-hmm. you still have to treat people with uh, with grace. Like we just talked. So yeah. we just talked about this two sessions ago, um, which I didn't understand was a thing. Any like so we talked about obviously you know Christians believe a big reason or a big way to I guess make it to the kingdom of heaven someday yeah. is to have a personal relationship with yep. God yep. and Jesus. But then. Um, can't I can't remember it's not Nick maybe it's Nick one of the yeah. guys in our group yeah. um talked about there's the whole there's a, actually another part of it that like is about the good acts yeah and like apparently you get better things maybe in heaven like your driveway yeah. your driveway is bigger than the next <laughs> like but like we talked about it and I was like I didn't think that that was still a thing. I thought it was like only the personal relationship, but apparently there's something, there's more to like the, the kind, the kind acts and, and treating people well, well and stuff like it's, that. Yeah. It's very much a, you do not, good works do not guarantee your, no. your spot in heaven. Right. Um, only that relationship, the belief in, in God does that for you. However, 
it's kind of like a if you do believe in God, you, mm-hmm. you believe in Jesus, all of that, that belief is going to naturally, you're going to do good works because that's what a Christian should do, yeah. right? And so it's very much, you don't, you don't need to, but it's kind of like, uh, you, you just, you almost have to because of your relationship. Right. Um, so, uh, not to, not to belabor that point, but yeah, it was very much a, um, not, you know, Christianity was, was part of my upbringing, but not really huge into my core. And then it was, uh, the small group just really got started. And eventually I was just like, okay, this, this feels like there's so much more substance here. Mm-hmm. Like an hour and a half with these guys growing in faith was just so much more everything than like even the best three hour happy hour with your mm-hmm. best friends. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the, I don't want to say that it was empty, but it was just like, there wasn't the depth there. There wasn't the yeah. the joy um, that kind of derived from the small group. So, yeah. So is it safe part. to say when I first met you, you weren't as deeply rooted? Yeah, not as, I definitely wasn't as um, vocal. Like, would you have led a small forward. group back then? I probably wouldn't have had the, I wouldn't have had the belief like the, or confidence yeah. in myself to do that. Oh, right? that's cool. I mean, you've um, came a long way in a short period of time. Yeah. It's amazing. I, it's very much like the humility piece. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. Like you gain confidence, and so you're able to lead it, and somehow you're you're you know more humble. But it's just kind of like knowing that, right? Like Jesus was incredibly humble, and he was God. And so you're sitting here going, "Oh, I I can do this not because it's me doing it, but because I'm going to ask for God in help in doing this, right? Right? In leading this group, and hopefully." Uh, leading these other men in their faith. So yeah. yeah, well, we miss having you. You should maybe move back. <laughs> you can be more part of it. I think it's better if everyone just moves <laughs> to South Carolina. But, hey, uh, you know, we made one big step. I, you did. Made one big step. Yeah, we are. Me and Ash decided we're going to homeschool our kids. Um, their last day was last or this most recent Friday, I guess. And uh, yeah, take it one year at a time, but. Um, you know, it gives us some extra freedom. That flexibility and freedom. It gives us some, fr- some freedom, yeah. man. Um, but they're excited about it, and, you know, we think it's what's best to yeah. kind of hit our core values um, of how we feel they're going to need to be prepared to function in society and, and yep. well, not just function, flourish. Yep. Um, and also, it's just when, when the kids are in sports and the school, like, it's crazy. We were only getting, like, 30 minutes. Yeah with these with our kids like 30 minutes of like actual time where like yeah maybe we totally had like two hours but an hour and a half of it is either like literally like watching tv before bed with them which isn't quality time yeah or you're like shoving a f- snack or a meal down yeah. their throat as we're running out the door brushing teeth putting pajamas on, yeah. all that stuff it just chews up the time yeah. so you know i think they're at a good age at eight and ten where we don't have to like start over and yeah. like like teach them everything from the beginning would be very hard. And the oh, yeah. the parents that do that, like more power to you. I pff, that would be so hard. But yeah. now it's like they're like they're pretty dang smart kids already. So yeah. it's just we're just gonna layer on the things that they need to know, but also you know things like with business and just yeah. how to run a household and yeah, just things like that that yep. school's never gonna teach them. So, but. Um, I'm going to pivot now to some just – I'm going to fire off some questions at you. Okay. And we didn't prepare any of these. So, like, right. hey, if you don't know the answer, like, if yeah. it doesn't come to you, we'll just move on. Okay. But I I think um, I like 
to ask certain questions regarding like your mindset yep. on some things, but then also like just some fun questions about, you know, our community, yep. stuff like that. So, um, <clears throat> what would you say is your like, why, like not in life, but mainly for like, what gets you out of bed after you get kicked in the nuts a few times, you have a couple deals go south, whatever. Right. But you stay focused on whatever your goal is for your business, for your yeah. family. Like, what is it that, that keeps you going to go find that next building, go find that next property to continue changing your life? Like, what is it? I think it's always just to do good, do good. Like whether it's do good within my family, whether it's to do good for those around me, whether it's to do good within a community, like that's the, I just want to do good. And that's going to be on a, I should get that on a t-shirt. Yeah. Do, <laughs> yeah. do good. Yeah. Gator B. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's meat and potatoes, stupid. Like you don't have to complicate. It doesn't things. have to be just, complicated. Just do good. And, and, and saying that, I know everybody has a different version of what like good is. Mm -hmm. And so the, the secondary piece of that is like, if you ever have to give truth, whether it's hard truth or easy truth, giving it with grace, I think that's my do good, give truth with grace. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of the, the ethos of how I want to live my life. So if, um, yeah, I, I just wish... I wish that was more ingrained into not just Christians' lives, but everybody's lives. Like if you if you have to tell somebody, I think you're doing this wrong, right? How do you do it in such a way where it's like said with they know you love them, mm -hmm. right? They know they can feel that. Um, and so yeah, do good, give truth with grace. So love it. Um who is your mentor or here now I know Rafik, yeah. probably yep. a good mentor, yep. but like who do you identify as like your hero? Oh, geez. I know. We didn't prepare um, this one. I'd say somebody that I really look up to uh, is Steve Cheney with Cheney Carpet. Um, just in in everything that he's a he's a man of God. He's a man of his family. Um, he's a man of business and beloved in the community. If you've never had a chance to meet him, like you're missing one of the singular most incredible personalities and human beings yeah. uh, that there is. Is he, yeah. he's local in Minnesota? Yeah, yeah. Cheney Carpet was his business. He ended up selling that uh, last year. And just a, a tiny snippet of who he is. So he called me up one day, one Friday, and he's and I was working on a building, selling a building that I had a hard time, wasn't selling, right? I've been working on it for five, six months, whatever it was. It's his building. He's like, Brian, I just, I've had the worst week and I'm sitting here thinking like he's gonna fire me from this mm -hmm. thing like I've, I've I have this worst week and now I gotta let you go and I gotta have somebody else because he and I had built kind of a, a pretty strong friendship he calls me up and he's like worst week I've had in a very long time and uh so I'm gonna send somebody out to your house I know you got a new baby coming I'm gonna send somebody out to your house they're gonna measure up your carpet and we're just gonna recarpet your house <laughs> and I was like like what? Like yeah. what what do you mean? Yeah. And he goes, A long time ago somebody told me and he he didn't tell me who it was that told him, but he's like, Whenever you're having just the worst day, doing something over the top good for somebody else, he's like, it just the worst just kind of melts away. He's like, So yeah, I'm just gonna carpet your house because that's what I wanna do. And I've had the worst week. And so somebody else is gonna have the best week that they've had in a long time. And that's just that's like, amazing. 
it was just so unbelievably rare yeah. to have a human like that. Like yeah. that's but that's his ethos is is when he's having the worst time, make it his mission to give somebody else the best time. That's like incredible. It was nuts. So yeah, Steve Cheney's probably That's a good one. I mean I thought maybe you'd say me, but that's yeah. I'm just kidding. No, Steve Cheney, I'd love to meet him. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Um yeah, talk about like okay, so you live this you know, what looks like a, a pretty amazing life. Like, you know, you, and you deserve it. You've worked very hard, but you know, you're, you're traveling a lot. You're, um, you're raising a family. You're, you know, having lots of success in business, lots of success with friendships, all that stuff. Are there any negatives? Talk about it. Like, is there anything that was just like, you know, this part kind of sucks about the life that I've built. Is there anything that sticks out to you? Yeah. Um, the biggest thing is like, as we, you know, my wife and I, we grow in our faith and, and the, the closer you get to God, the further you kind of want to get like from earth and mm-hmm. earth stuff. And mm-hmm. so like you build this portfolio and you're like, well, why? And you're like, well, I finance their life. Well, why do we need to finance this life? Why can't we be? Ha-? And so Alicia and I regularly have the conversation. I mean, it's, and it's not crazy, but it's just like, why don't we just sell everything? I'm like, why do you even need to sell it? Why don't you just give it away? Like, just, yeah. just give it kind of th- like, I don't, I don't need it. I don't want it. Yeah. Right. And so, um, the, the negatives, the downsides are, I don't want to say they're like, Oh, it's easy to complain from that position or what have you. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know how to eloquently say it, but the, the downside being, is the more stuff and and things you do and the places you see and the buildings you acquire and all of that, it kind of like, it sort of gives you a thirst for more. And I'm right. like, that thirst for more is in the opposite direction of where I want to be. Like if I'm growing with Jesus, right? I don't, right. I don't want to thirst for more. I want to just say, give me this day, our daily bread, right? Don't right. give me six months worth of bread. Just give me my daily bread. <laughs> don't give me That's a five, $5 foot long. Yeah. I just want the, <laughs> just want the daily bread. <laughs> Um, so that conviction, we feel that, uh, pretty, you know, pretty frequently and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's scary and everything that we do that's new, it's scary. So there's the stress that comes with that. Mm -hmm. And, and so managing that, um, what's the secret to managing that? Uh, lean on your wife without killing her and her the (laughs) same for you and learning how to do that. Like rather than you know, two forces like clashing. It's very much like I need to be your wall and you need to be mine. And you're never going to be like some days I'm going to be a, a stronger rock yeah. for her to lean on than mm-hmm. she will be for me. And there's some days where she is absolutely the stronger rock that I need to lean on. Cause I'm, it's never 50, 50. It's like, sometimes no. I need 80% of my weight carried by you. And sometimes she's doing the same. So it's funny you say that we, we literally say the exact same thing. Like we'll look at each other sometimes and be like, Hey, I got like 10% in me today. Yeah. Like, I'm just letting you know, <laughs> I got barely anything. I'm going to need you to carry our asses today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And vice versa. And it's just like, that's, that's the key. I think is just being transparent and honest. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say it was the the corked gin bottle that you have that you feel so <laughs> cool. You know, just how you manage your stress. Just pop that little cork. Yeah, no. You look cooler than everybody else. That's for sure. <laughs> look like an idiot. 
<laughs> I will. Uh, There's no way to solve that for you. Yeah. All right. Um, let's do some lightning round fun type yep. questions here. Um, let's see here. Just let's start with an easy one. Favorite, favorite place to eat in the Blaine community? Favorite place to eat in Blaine? Jawad Grill. <laughs> I love their French fries. They're so I've good. I've never been there, but and I remember you tell me about it. Your, but if, if like if you're super sauce person, um, they load it. So they load the euro with sauce. So I always tell them lighten it up. You know I don't I don't need you know 20 extra pounds. But that's that's like the hidden gem, and I don't. Is that the so one that's like next to the it, gas station? It's in, the, it's in like the worst. Spot is it off on, of? Uh, it's it's on Main. Or yeah, on off of Main, like but but Jefferson. almost Coon Rapids. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's like yeah. Jeff, I think it's the Jefferson Light. Yeah, yeah. There's a gas station strip. Yeah, go there. The fries are <laughs> sublime. They have so. French fries. Yes. All right, I'm going there. They're incredible. Done. Um, so, how how did you land on a Mini Cooper? <laughs> <laughs> what does it say on the back of your Mini Cooper again? What's that? What does it say on the back? Clubman? Cl- like, that's the Mini Cooper. I'm a club man. <laughs> um, it's the dumbest car. It's the dumbest car. I love uh, it, though. You're the, only, you're the only man driving that car around Blaine. You sometimes. can't, like, you can't take yourself... You can't think too highly of yourself and drive a Mini Cooper. <laughs> like, you can't take yourself too seriously. But you were, like, just, dead set on it. It wasn't like, yeah. like, but what? Because they're tiny and quick. <laughs> and and I was used to driving an F-150, and I was like, this is the dumbest thing ever. I got to, it takes forever to turn around. It takes forever to maneuver. They don't park it's very just, well, the big no, pickups. Yeah, we have one. No. I Like, if we're going somewhere where it's going to be packed, I'm like, we need to take my car. Yeah. Because I hate parking it. Now, imagine shrinking your car by another three feet. <laughs> one way and another two feet the other way and alicia hates it so like for the record out there she despises the car oh we all make fun of you yeah that's the fun part that's the beauty of it is like (laughs) you don't if you don't take yourself too seriously like yeah give me a clown car i don't care it literally is a clown car it's great but uh anyway yeah every time i see it i'm just like he's the club man (laughs) so good oh man um God, what was I going to – oh, uh, I was going to say a lot of people overcompensate for things. Yeah. You're just like, I'm going to undercompensate. Yeah, I'm going to go the other direction. <laughs> I'm going to show you nothing. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Do you have any pet peeves that, one, in your personal life that just drive you crazy? But also I'm just curious, like in the commercial world – Commercial real estate. Is there a pet peeve of yours that like other agents do sometimes, or just or maybe business uh, the building owners will do? No, in the commercial world, no. No, I generally it's that like give a lot of grace because I know I'm gonna need to ask for a lot of grace. Yeah. Um. So I try not to, I try not to get too peeved about, you know, too much of anything. Like when I specifically tell someone, hey, let me know if you need help, and mm-hmm. then they. Uh, never ask for help, and then they yell at me when something goes south, and I'm like, I, I, like, that's kind of frustrating, mm-hmm. and it hasn't happened that often. But it's, I don't, you wouldn't really call that a peeve. It's more just like well, this kind of came from nowhere. Um, what about in your household? Household pet peeves, not, not anything like 
significant. I would say in my life, my biggest pet peeve is people who don't know how to zipper merge. Like, thank you. Just drive. Just drive till you can't anymore. And then get over. Like, you're not an a hole. I know. You take the third lane that's going to be compressed into. You're actually helping people. Like, science, engineering, and everything has repeatedly said. (laughs) The Traffic Association of America has said, please, for the love of all that is holy, <laughs> drive until you have to get over. That's the best. And there's still people who will like we'll block like, both lanes. Block both lanes. I'm like, you are the problem. I know. You're trying to be a hero yeah. and like a, a non a-hole person. And you're just so far on the op. You're, I know. You're causing the traffic jam. I know. You're being the a-hole. Like, it drives me absolutely crazy and they think they're being the hero like yeah. that's the thing it's like you think you're saving a person from jumping off the building and you're the dude pushing them off the building if i anyway. if i worked like downtown and i was always stuck yeah. in traffic and i knew i was gonna have to zip merge like every day yeah i would literally have like i'd make printout sheets in oh, my car yeah. and when somebody's doing that shit to me i'd like just like put it on my window and yeah just be like Read this, dude. Yes. Like, come on, man. Or, or, or like a QR code. Yes. Scan this. Scan. And then it's like, how does zipper merge? <laughs> oh, my gosh, yep. people. Yeah, please, Sorry. for the love of God, stop. Stop blocking the other lane. Um, let's see here. What's the number one thing you miss from growing up in South Dakota? Uh, the peace. Peace. Like we lived More simplicity. Yeah, peace, simplicity. I mean, I was a kid, so you didn't have all of the responsibility that comes with being an adult, but it was just quiet, simple, easy, safe. Like yeah. the peace of mind of being out there. And mm-hmm. as a kid, sometimes I was like, oh, I'm super bored and mm-hmm. whatever. And that's part of what drove me to the cities. Um, but yeah, when I go back and and hang out at my mom's place out in the country, it's just like sit out on the deck and just close your eyes and take in the nothingness. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely it. This is a two-parter. Uh, so you are, you guys have traveled many different places. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, and you, I, I've had many conversations with you where you have been like, you know, I'm not sure, you know, where we're going to move to next or what we're going to like, you know, you're kind of, you're always like thinking about yep. other places. So yep. my, my two part question is where is the, let's make it three parts. Where is the best place you've ever been to? Yep. Like your favorite spot. Okay. Yep. Where's a place that you have to go? Like it's on your bucket list that you haven't mm-hmm. been to yet. And out of all the places in the world, how and why did you decide to stay in Blaine, like initially, and like start a family? Like what drew you to the Blaine area? So let's start okay. with the first one. Um, favorite place we've ever. I'll make this one a, a brief two part. The favorite place that I ever. ever Ben, my favorite memory of being somewhere new was in Sardinia with my wife. We had just gotten legally married, came back to the States, and then went back to Italy when we were stationed uh, there. We went to Sardinia, showed up, didn't have a rental car. Some dude rented me his motorcycle, like his, his friend's motorcycle. I gave him like 50 euro, and he's just like, here, you can use it for three days. So that was kind of serendipitous. Um, and then we took this motorcycle and drove along the Sardinian coast for an hour. It was like 50 degrees, so it was pretty cold. Mm-hmm. But you're like weaving in and out of the cliffs, a cliffside on the motorcycle, and the full moon over the water reflecting. And then, for whatever reason, the island of Sardinia didn't, there was nobody there. So when we woke up in the morning, the hotel, we were the only guests in the hotel. We hmm. went to the beach, there wasn't a single person. I mean, you're talking miles of like golden sand beach, 
clear. I'd have been like a little worried. Like, is there yeah. is there some like hurricane? I mean, it was or like something? yeah, it was like strange but just surreal. Yeah, we drove for an hour, didn't see a car on the road. Wow, like nothing. And so we spent uh, three or four days. I can't remember. If it was four days and three nights, or three days and two nights. I think it was three and two there, and just didn't encounter a soul it was like we had paradise to ourselves to yourself, for our yeah. honeymoon like that was so sardinia yeah. that's in italy it's an island off the coast of italy okay. yeah um and then favorite place that we've like been as far as like just the sheer incredibleness of it is south island new zealand we took the family mm. there beginning of 2019 and it's just it's it's everything on the island. Mm. Huge snow-capped mountains, beautiful golden beaches, Milford Sound, where the mountains just drop right into the ocean, um, the plains, the prairies. Um, yeah, South Island, New Zealand, number one place on the planet, mm. like, by a mile. And people are super kind there. It's quiet. Do they it's have peaceful. accents? Yeah. Sound, yeah. Do they it's, sound Australian? It's different than Australia. Like, an American who doesn't, you know, they kind of know the Australian, they think it sounds, but if you listen to an Australian person and, uh, you know, uh, New Zealand or Kiwi talk, you, you definitely notice the differences. Gotcha. It's kind of like Minnesota and Wisconsin. Yeah. People who don't know the difference, like they think they all sound the same, but if you know, you're like, no, those are like wildly different accents. Well, yeah, usually those Wisconsinites are drunk, so it's easy <laughs> to spot them. <laughs> it's a big part of it. Yeah, uh, usually just slurring their words. And then... Uh, place you want to go. Place Chiang Mai, to. Thailand. So one of my best friends, he's a pilot in the Air Force, been 100, you know, whatever countries there are on the planet, he's mm-hmm. like 90-some percent of them. And he said Chiang Mai, Thailand was his favorite place, I think, because of the peace, serenity, the beauty, all of that. So... That is definitely going to be gotten to. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord willing, I, I live long enough to see it. But yeah, that's our that's number one for me. And then um, yeah, Blaine. So my wife's family's from uh, kind of Blaine, Ham Lake, Coon Rapids, mm-hmm. Andover. So that brought us back as we just had one one kid at the time. She was young. We had lived in Italy and Florida, so been away for five years. Wanted to be around family as we were raising our kids and. Um, so, and then going to school and at St. Thomas, so I was like familiar with the cities and mm-hmm. I liked the cities and then didn't want to go back to Sioux Falls area. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was just time to, you know, come home and, and hang out with family for a little bit and yeah. see them. And it's always family that keeps us here. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and so now we're trying to be like family, come to us. Cause come then to us, yeah. come to South Carolina. Cause you'll just stay Yeah, like visit and then just stay. I definitely want to like, come when it wasn't a hundred degrees and humid. You know what I mean? I mean, even that was enjoyable. You're, like, you are a sick human being. You no, love it. No. You love just a roast. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I do, but that was not, that wasn't. I wake up and I look outside and I was sweating and I'm like, this isn't, this isn't probably for me, but right now would absolutely be for me in the middle of November. Like, just go get an iced tea or something. (laughs) I was a lot more active. I'll say that, you know, when you're there. Um, Okay. A few more questions. I know you got a jet. Um, Really like give us the one minute version of how you picked up your wife. Like how you got her? Uh, she she picked me. Uh, I we we're brothers bar. We we're meeting some friends. I didn't know Alicia. Didn't know you know she was gonna be there. But myself and two of my guy friends were gonna go meet um, a girl that we knew and two of her friends. Mm-hmm. And so we thought we'd just hang out. And I walked 
down the stairs of Brothers Bar in downtown Minneapolis, and it was it's like a great place. Yeah, you know, straight out of Titanic. Yep. You know, lady <laughs> at the lady at the bottom of the stairs. She's looking up. I'm I'm looking down, and uh, she bought me my first drink. And five minutes after we got there, we left. The other four people that we were with didn't see him again the rest of the night. And yeah, just like danced and hung out. And we we really the funny thing is she bought me my first drink there. And then I think we only got one more drink the rest of the night from like 10 o'clock to two. So we were not maybe two drinks. Yeah, you weren't like, like partying. You were, no, you we were, were involved. I was just like laser focused. This is I, I think I'm going to marry her. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And she didn't know that about me. Like she didn't feel the same way as immediately. But yeah, it was like like 45 minutes into meeting. I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going <laughs> to ask this girl to marry me. So, but yeah. okay, with the end of the story is what's amazing with the limo. Oh, yeah. So, so, like, so wasn't it she, like, she, like, you were like, you need to let me take you on another date? And yeah. She's like, she was, was like, no. Yeah, yeah. And then you were like, all right, here's the deal. If someone picks me up in a, or if I leave here in a limo. Yes. I was like, I want to go on a date with you. And so I had this, had this deal in college where I figured it out that, you know, three taxis and all of our friends who took three taxis, the cost was like a hundred bucks or whatever it was. And it was some amount. And I had a, a limo driver that I figured out. He's like, no, I'll take you $70 um, one way, right, to get to Minneapolis and then $70 back. So it was basically 25 minutes in a limo, yeah. 70 bucks. And so I organized it, lined it up. And then I said, all right, everybody, give me the, the I don't know what it was, 10 or $15 that you were going to pay for a taxi. And we can all go together in the limo. And the, the caveat was I basically got 20 extra dollars. So after paying him and then giving him a $20 tip, I had like 20 extra bucks that I kept for myself to get drinks for the night. Yep. So you were working I, on a rate of return already yeah, right there. And so because <laughs> I did that, um, and they were all happy because they, they actually gave me, it was like $2 less yeah, they than what they money. would have mm -hmm. paid in the taxi. And uh, so, yeah, every time we went downtown, we went down in a limo got dropped right at the front door, got let into every place we ever wanted to go because yeah. it was like they showed up in a, a limo. limo. Yeah. yeah, And then, uh, yeah, at 2 a.m., I always had a limo. And so, like, if you didn't ride with me back, then you had to pay for a different yeah. taxi. So, like, you had to be with me to get the limo back. Um, but, yeah, so I was like I, – I told her I was uh, – like, she didn't want uh, – not that she didn't want to go on a second date with me, but that was how I was like, okay, if there is a limo waiting for me outside this bar – at 2 a.m. I'm not going to call anybody. Mm -hmm. Like, I won't, yep. I won't make any secret arrangements or anything because I yep. already texted Loyan, this is where I'm going to be, pick me up at 2. And uh, so I was like, I'm, you know, if there is a limo waiting for me at 2, 2 in the morning, you'll go on a second date with me. And I was like, just please. And she <laughs> is just like, who is this yeah. arrogant prick <laughs> that, like, but she was intrigued. Yeah. She was also oh, yeah. intrigued. She was into it. Yeah. And then, uh, sure enough, 2 a.m. hip, bar closed, <laughs> go outside. I say, hey, Loyan, I get in the limo. And I was just like, you know. <laughs> did you get sit. Did you go from the, the moonroof and wave? No, her? no, I was through the door <laughs> that was still open or whatever. I was like, I would like a second date. And then she came over and she's like, here's my number. It's Alicia with a Y. Right, because so, she told you her name was Shaniqua. Shaniqua. <laughs> yeah. So, which, uh, so yeah. good. So dumb. But I love anyway, it. I love um, it. Yeah, so that's the reason why I had a limo was because I was just like figured out is cheaper. Yeah. So it was because I was super poor 
that I was able to ride downtown in Illinois. <laughs> the ultimate flex, though, yeah. when when Shaniqua was there. Yeah. Uh, well, the last last thing I guess that I I think it's fun for people to know about you is. Um, so I think when all of us are sitting around like scrolling social media, we're on yeah. TikTok, we're just looking at stupid videos and stuff. You are like a giant nerd and <laughs> will be sending me the most ridiculous articles sometimes about like gravity or like <laughs> the universe or some shit. Yeah, so like yeah. when you're in your downtime on your phone, what is it that you're searching for and, <laughs> and looking it's, at? It's not. Uh, so it's generally like I'll catch up on sports or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, the local sports stuff. But it's more of like. Um, just anything that's even remotely intriguing. What's so, your like go-to the, like website or like thing to there, visit? There isn't one. There definitely is. Like, how do you find this stuff? Generally, it just populates off of stuff that I've read before. Yeah. So if I'll read an article on on black holes and then artificial <laughs> intelligence and then like the rate of growth for the different types of grass and then <laughs> like. I mean, just random, oh random stuff or like life hacks that most people don't, you know, don't know about. So it's just weird, obscure articles. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether I do anything with the knowledge or not, it's just the universe is so big. It's kind of fun to like start being able to tie things together. Mm -hmm. So the Fibonacci uh, like sequence or spiral or whatever that one's like you can get so many articles <laughs> on like completely different topics just by like googling that I so, and i yeah. call you a nerd but it's funny yeah. like it's it, it is interesting whenever you send them to me i'm just like man brian's going down to just <laughs> this weird this weird path but i'm intrigued let's yeah. let's get into it <laughs> what's, what do we have here and actually you did okay. send me if 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 anybody's still watching or listening to yeah. this you did send me one time an article about like, what was it? It was like the five things about like money or wealth or something. Oh, remember yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that called? Do you remember? Um, gosh, what is the title of that article? It was. It's not the five kinds of wealth. Um, well, and there's there's a couple on wealth that I sent. One was talking about what is infinite wealth, and that is essentially you get more passive income than you do for expenses. So if you keep your expenses at only $1,000 a month and you have $1,500 of passive income, you're infinitely wealthy. You can live forever. It was the other one, this I one, think. It yeah. was like, it was the one that was, it was, wasn't just money focused. It was like wealth in your relationships. Wealth oh, in, gosh. Yes. What was that um, title? I cannot. I don't remember guess. what it was. Yes. I'll, I'll try to get the name from Brian and, and post yeah. it when I post it online. But that, like, if you guys do anything from any of this, that's like, just go and read way. that. Yeah. That was that was really cool when you shared that with me. I was like, yep. that, that puts a lot of good things in perspective. So, yeah, just uh, just an amazing human being you are. Yeah, so thank you. Um, you well. thank you for, you know, taking time out of, I know, you know, you got a bunch of things going on as you're home yeah. for only a, a few short days, but I appreciate it. Looking forward to dinner. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just know that, you know, I love you. Yeah. And love uh, you, just love having you in my life. We're, yeah. Me and Ashley are very grateful for you guys. So yeah. maybe one day we'll be neighbors again. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> Sooner than that. Yeah. But, uh, again, everybody, this is Brian Shulton. Um, reach out anytime um, to for any anything. We're always here to help with with anything that we just talked about, not just business yep. stuff. But uh, 
Uh, with that being said, if anybody else that's watching or listening, else, if anyone else that might be a good fit for the Obvious Choice podcast, please reach out. I love to spotlight people's businesses um, or just uh, cool things they have going on in their life in our community. So um, with that being said, I hope everybody has a wonderful day. I know you're going to see this after Thanksgiving, but I hope your Thanksgiving was amazing. And, um, you know, watch for us on the uh, or watch for me on the next Obvious Choice podcast. Have a wonderful day, guys. Bye, guys. Bye.